So I want to talk to you today about this topic of our church and how because we've been growing, God has put a concern on my heart that I'm taking very seriously. It's that people might come to church but never get connected to community. And these are people who remain anonymous. Anonymous people, people who've been coming to the church and they're not really known. So I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 10 today. That's going to be where we're hanging out. If you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, you can go there on your Bible app or in your paper Bible. If you still do that, more power to you, or we'll put it up on the screen. But either way, all of our messages come from the word of God and are founded and based on the word of God. So that's what we're doing again today, just like every week. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. I mean, you gotta say amen when you hear that, right? That we have a hope and that God is trustworthy to keep his promise. God has made some promises and it's the promises of God that gets you through the darkest moments of your life. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've gone through difficult moments and it's in those moments when you've remembered what God has already promised in his word. That's what got you through. That's what helps you keep going. And I wanna remind you of some of the promises of God in his word. He says he will be a refuge to the oppressed. He says he will increase the power of the weak. The Lord says he will always be with you wherever you go. He says he will fight for you. He will be your strength. He promises he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. He promises he will help you and give you wisdom. He will make your path straight. He says when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. He promises if you resist the devil, he will flee. He promises to give you hope and a future. He promises to bless you beyond what you can contain. He promises to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He promises to save you from your enemies. He promises that if you seek him, you will find him. He promises to give you the desires of your heart, to work all things together for your good, to give you peace which surpasses understanding. He promises to heal the sick and to forgive your sins and to bring you out of darkness into eternal life. He promises that his unfailing love for you will not be shaken. He promises that him, the God who began this good work in you, will see it through until completion at the day when Jesus Christ returns. And you can trust these promises which he makes. These are the promises we stand on in the midst of any storm. That's what gets us through those promises because God keeps his promise. But sometimes we do waver. And sometimes we do doubt. And when we're in the middle of a situation, we can often lose our grip on hope, on God's promise, just being real, being, being honest here today. And so that's why we need to continue reading in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's what we read, that we wanna not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another and motivate one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And we're gonna talk about this first today. We're gonna to talk about it. 
So I want to first start off just by giving you a chance to encourage one another. Why don't you just tell your neighbor, you look good today. I want to encourage you. You look, you look really nice. And if you're single, you know, take advantage of this right now. Just like, feel free to get out of your seat and go, no, I'm just kidding. Now, most often that passage that we just read is used to encourage church attendance, not neglect our meeting together. And it's true. That's a good application of that verse, that we should not neglect our corporate gathering where we come together as the body of Christ and worship God. I am a big fan of church attendance as a pastor, okay? In case that is a surprise to you, um, I really believe in it, okay? I believe that good things will happen when you come to God's presence. And even if you're growing in your walk with God, or even if you don't believe in what he says, if you keep coming to God's presence, like he's gonna get you, okay? So I love church attendance, but this passage more clearly defines the purpose of what we call at Generation Church, life groups. Life groups, you've probably heard us talk about, are small groups, two, three, or more people, 12, 13, 14, 15 people who come together to encourage one another and to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Um, in other words, these groups of people, they come together and they help one another love God and love people. That's what Jesus has called us to do. Those are what he says, the greatest commandments to love God, to love your neighbor as yourself. And a lot of people would say, well, I'm a Christian and I go to church. And I would say, good job. You are off to a great start. And now what I want to help you do today is see the importance of taking it further into what God has called us to do, not to just love him and worship him at church, but to love one another. And we do that in life groups. The Jesus way of living is in relationship with other Christians. Jesus had a life group. Did you know? Yes, Jesus had a life group, him and about 12 other guys. They hung out all the time. They got together. They had adventures. They played games around the campfire. They had snacks together, usually fishes and loaves. They shared communion supper. That was their actual supper, oftentimes. They, they lived their lives together. And by spending time together, you see an incredible transformation in their lives took place. Guys like... Peter and James and John, they transformed from fishermen into world-class leaders who built the church, which is why we're here today. It all took place in their life group. Now they lived together for about three years, day in and day out, traveling together. And I'm not gonna ask you to do that. Okay, that would be weird. This isn't some type of hippie commune where we're gonna all live together. I want you to go home at the end of the day, okay? But I am going to ask you to be a part of a life group. And what we do is we meet together twice a month during the week, okay? For about two hours of a meeting, including travel time even, unless you really like each other, and then you might hang out a little bit more. But twice a month, we hang out about two hours, and we spend time together. See, we read the Bible at life groups, but it's not a Bible study. We pray for each other at life groups, but it's not a prayer meeting. The primary purpose of life groups is relationship. I want you as your pastor to have an authentic relationship with other Christians, people that you can be real with and genuine with, people who will know you 
and where you're at in your walk. And I want you to be able to know other people and where they're at so that you can encourage one another and build one another up. These days we live in a very individualistic culture. We rely on ourselves. Even the message of the culture that's celebrated is I can do it on my own. I don't need your help. Forget you. I'll show you. And that's just not real. That's not how God designed us to live. We often move away from where we grew up. And so we don't always have family around. And then we, we long for relationships and we look for them anywhere we can get them. We look for them, you know, the city softball league or in the workplace. And, and that's nice. But a lot of time those relationships can be shallow and short lived. See, not a lot of personal growth happens in the break room at your job, I guess. I, I would guess, right? Like those aren't probably the deepest places of spiritual growth in your life. See, I believe that if we surveyed most of the people in our city, they would say they are not satisfied with their relationships. It's not that we need a greater quantity of relationships, but that we need a greater quality of relationships. We have more connections than we've ever had, don't we? See, some of you have thousands of friends on Facebook. Some of you have literally dozens of Instagram followers. That's not a lot. That was, I was trying to be funny. Thank you for that pity laugh. See, we have lots of connections. We have more connections than we've ever had. And yet I think a lot of times we still feel more alone than we've ever felt. It's not that we need more, we need real. I have a lot of relationships with people. I have a lot of friends on Facebook who I could bump into in the grocery store and not even recognize. Especially if your profile picture is your cat. <laughs> then I definitely don't even know who you are, okay? I'm guaranteed. So we wanna have relational quality, not just relationship quantity, amen? That's what we all know we really need. I really need some good friends. I need some real friends. I need some people that, that know who I am and still choose to love me anyways. We need community. And God designed us for community because God is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. He exists in community since before time began. He is in relationship eternally. And he designed us in his image to live in relationship. And that's why when you are alone in life, you feel the most dissatisfaction. You need community. And so I want to talk to you about how to have community. In order to have community, you need to be available. Community needs availability. You have to make yourself available. I know a lot of people would say, I don't have time. You just bringing up one more thing you want me to do, Pastor Ryan. I don't, I don't have time. I'm busy. I get it. I get it. You've got things to do. People today are busier than they've ever been, I think. We have a lot of dual income families where both parents work outside the home and it's a real struggle to get home and get the kids and make dinner and do homework and take them to soccer practices. It's a busy day and age we live in. People are busy, but let me tell you the truth. I feel that there are very few people who cannot be in a life group, very few. Life groups, like I said, they meet twice a month for about two hours per session. So that's about four hours a month. All right. Now, 
I hear, I hear you that a lot of people are busy, but all the research shows, New York Times published this article last year, that the average American watches five hours and four minutes of television per day. So if you can spend four hours binge watching Fuller House on Netflix, I would suggest that maybe you can make time for your life group. Because Kimmy Gibbler might feel like a childhood friend, but she don't know you. You need some real friends, church. You need some real people who know you and what you're going through and will walk beside you. You need real relationships and real community. You have to make yourself available to be in community. I know a lot of people would say, but I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I, I hear you. I hear you. But let me ask, when are you going to be unbusy? Like what stage of life will everything just settle? When will your schedule open up so that you can do whatever it is that God has called you to do? Because I talk to a lot of you guys in different stages of life, different ages, different generations, and it seems like everyone's got something going on. You know, when you're a student, you got homework. And then you graduate and you got to find a job. You're busy. Then you get the job and now you're busy because you got to work hard to make a good impression. And then you prove yourself so you got a promotion and now you're busy because you have too much responsibility. And then a lot of times I see, you know, couples, they start dating and they get engaged just like all their other friends have disappeared off the face of the planet. And now they're busy planning the wedding. Then they come back from the honeymoon when they got busy and now they got to settle into their new life and they're busy with that. Then they find out they're pregnant and now they're busy getting ready for baby. Then the baby comes and now they're so tired, they need sleep. Then the kids get a little older, they got to help the kids get settled into school and do their homework so they can have a good life. Kids get a little older, they go to high school and now you're driving them all over God's creation. Dance practice, soccer practice, football practice, you're busy. Then they graduate and you're like, we just got our freedom back. We don't got time for life groups. Then you retire and you're like, I got to travel. Yo, I'm traveling. I don't, I'm not going to be around for that. And then you're about to expire and you're like, I'm too sick and old for this. So when are you going to be unbusy? See, I've realized. I've realized that something like this, like life groups, is something that you don't find time for. It's something you make time for. And I've realized that we tend to make time for what is important. And what's more important than the health of your soul? I really feel like this is something that we need to prioritize in our life. It said in verse 25, we read, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Maybe you read this verse like I do. As a pastor, I read this. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. You guys know how it is, right? Like, some people, some people up in here live in the anonymous life. Right now, someone's looking at me, who are you calling some people? I don't know, because you're anonymous. We don't know who they are, right? People, sometimes they neglect the thing that God has called them to do because of their priorities, so let me just ask you this, and I don't want to ask this in a way to make anyone feel judged or condemned, but just because it's my job. 
Is following Jesus an extracurricular activity in your life? Or is it the foundation of your identity? Because if it's the foundation of your, your identity, I think you'll prioritize things differently in your life. Verse 24 said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So skipping life groups to me is not skipping an obligation. It's skipping the motivation that I need to love God and love people. I need that motivation. I need other people to come alongside me as a Christian and to encourage me and to challenge me and to pray for me. Don't you, don't you just feel better when you know there's someone out there praying for you who has your back, who actually cares about what you're going through? There's something about doing it together. Doing it together gets us further. It helps us push through that which we couldn't on our own. There's a reason that CrossFit gyms are so popular in America today. How many of you have done CrossFit? You're smart if you haven't done it. Okay, like respect. It's terrible. It's like torture, right? Like you're just exhausted. You feel like you're going to die. I went and did a CrossFit workout with a guy in our church this week, and I was only able to do it because I knew that if I died, I would go to heaven. And I felt like I was going to die, honestly. But you go in there, you work out, like you just push yourself, you're exhausted, you're on the brink of just collapsing. But because you're doing that workout with a group of people who are together, who are cheering each other on and encouraging each other, you can go further, you can lift more, you can push through what you would have given up on before. There's something about doing it together. And we're supposed to, to live our lives together as Christians because it's not always easy following Jesus. Jesus, is it? Sometimes I need someone to come alongside me when I get weak and lift me up. I need someone to come and help me when I can't do it on my own. And you do too. You need someone to do life with. When you make yourself available for community, you also make yourself available to God for him to do something bigger through you. Something bigger through you than what you could have done on your own. More love, more good works in the name of Jesus so that the world could see what his love looks like in action. Community needs availability. And so I want to talk to you about this next part. Community needs stability. Stability. Because of the individualistic, disconnected nature of our society, we often move around and we, we try different jobs and we'll move across the country and, and we can often get disconnected. And that's why God actually intended that outside of your immediate family, that most of your community would come from your church family. Aren't you grateful for church family? Right? I am. I'm grateful for you guys. But a lot of people, they miss out on the benefit of community in their church family because there's a lack of stability. And people can sometimes jump around from churches to churches too often. And, you know, they just kind of try one for a little while. And then they, they try another one. And they stop going to church for a while. And they're like, oh, why not try another one? And they never really get community because they're really not stable anywhere. Some people, they're not what I call church hoppers. I call them church daters. They date a lot. They date around. And they're like, don't hate the player, hate the game. And I'm like, church is a game to you right now, isn't it? You know you're a church dater if your Sunday morning starts with a rose ceremony. You're like, you're dead to me. 
Grace Community Church, I don't feel that way about you anymore, right? Some people are feeling very convicted right now. That's okay. I'm going to keep preaching this anyway. See, some people, they need some stability in their community so that they can have a chance for their roots to grow down and have some fruit grow. It said in verse 23, hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Hold tightly. We got to hold on to that hope because life gets difficult sometimes and we got to hold on to our hope without wavering. We tend to waver, especially when we get on our own. We start to, we start to waver, don't we? Sometimes, I mean, I'll tell you what, there's been some times in my life I waver like way out there, way away from what God had for me. I need some help. I need Juan Eric James. Come up here, help me out. Come up here, help me out. Thank you. Give these guys a hand. Sometimes, are you physically able to do this? <laughs> come over here. Come over here. James, you come over here. Help me out. Sometimes life gets unpredictable and unstable. And we all know that there are times when just when you felt like you got your feet back on the ground, something else, something else comes along and blindsides you or undercuts you. Just when your relationship got good again, you lost your job. Just when you thought your kids were not going to destroy your life, they did something else, right? Like, it's always something. And there is actually an enemy of God's people who wants to destroy you. The Bible calls the devil or Satan like a lion who, roars, who goes around, prowls around, roaring like a lion, seeking who he can devour. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to find you to pick you off and destroy you. His goal is to destroy as many of you as he can. So what he does is he looks for the lone wolf. He looks for the person that's off on his own, living life alone, anonymous. Don't predators always go after the one who's alone? They seek to separate their prey from the flock so they can pick them off easily. And so the enemy will come and he'll throw stuff at you and he'll pull you off balance. And poor James doesn't stand a chance because I outweigh him by 50 pounds. And I work out. <laughs> right? But like, if I was just going to just like pull on him, if I wanted to as his enemy, I could take him down. Even if he just gave it his all and he resisted, eventually I'm going to pull him down. Eventually you're going to get too tired resisting the attacks of the enemy on your own. Too tired just trying to stand on your own against what life throws at you. But if you'll get some other people in your life to hold tightly onto you and to hold on to hope, can you guys, can you guys come take a hold of James here? Get a hold of him. See, even though, even though Juan and Eric aren't the biggest guys, they've got big hearts, right? When you get the three of them together, now they're a force, right? Now where I, I could have gotten... I could have messed with James on my own. I could, have, I could have pulled him down. There's some people holding on to him. There are some people who he's linked arm in arm with, who are walking with him through this life. And, and see, I might, I might want to destroy him, but he, he's too big for me when he's got other people around him. And see, if I'm, if I'm a predator, if I'm an enemy that wants to destroy him, what I'm going to do is I'm going to realize I'm not going to get anywhere with these guys. I might as well go find someone else to attack. 
I might as well go find someone else to mess with. You need to get some people in your life who will hold on to you so that you can withstand the attacks of the enemy so that when life comes at you with ups and downs, you'll still be standing. Thank you, guys. But let me tell you, you need to get some people in your boat before the storms of life come and hit. It's so much easier to withstand those turbulent times if you've already got some relationships. A lot of you came to church for the first time because something in your life was broken and you were looking for hope. And that's what you should do. You should come to God and find hope in him. But if you've already got some relationships, you'll be able to get through those moments so much easier and without so much, with so much less pain than you would have on your own. I want you to have people to hold tightly onto. You can hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus without wavering. And I hope that those people would be your life group. Who are you holding on to? Who's holding on to you right now? It should be your life group. It should be people that you, you have a relationship with day in and day out. You should be in community. It doesn't have to be the same people for the rest of your life, but you should be in community with people for the rest of your life. Community doesn't just require stability, but I hope you see that community brings stability to your life. Some of your lives wouldn't be so crazy if you had more stability, if you had more people around you holding on to you. And I want to talk to you about this. Community needs vulnerability. We have to be vulnerable with each other. Now, as a guy, I automatically don't like the sound of that. So I hear you guys right now, but stay with me. We have to be vulnerable. Maybe you come to church and you do come to church and you stake a claim. You're like, this is my church. It's the best church. I'm going to keep coming here. Amen. I hear you. And then you might still choose to remain anonymous. There are a lot of people who go to this church who I've never even met and they intentionally remain anonymous. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met someone who they've been around you for a long time, but your paths had never crossed before? And you're like, how did we not meet each other up to this point? How do we not, how do we not interact? How do we not connect? Oh, because you come to church late every week and leave early. Why don't you hang out for a minute and make some relationships and form some friendships and get to know some people and not be anonymous? Anonymity is a killer. Do you realize that? It will kill you. Are you anonymous? Maybe people know your name, but do they know you? Do they know you? Remember, I want you to see verse 25 again. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now I want you to key in on the last part there, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What was being uh, communicated here was that the closer you get to the end of times when Jesus returns, there will be an increase of persecution and hardship and people falling away from God. There will be an increase of difficult times. And there are today an increase of difficult times. There is an increase of people who grew up in church and they leave the church. And I think one of the reasons that people leave the church and they walk away from God is because they don't know what to do with their failures. We all know how to celebrate victories, but as Christians, a lot of times we don't know what to do with our failures. We don't know what to do when we, when we fall because maybe you had the misunderstanding communicated to you that as a Christian, you were supposed to be perfect. That as a Christian, you would never make a mistake. Maybe you thought that as a Christian, you were supposed to never doubt and only 
uh, smile when you come to church. And, and that's just not real life, is it? I think that a lot of people struggle because they struggle in silence. They struggle in silence and they don't share what they're going through with other people because they don't have relationships. They have no community. You have an enemy who wants to destroy you. And one of his favorite lies is this, you're all alone. He loves to tell you you're all alone, that nobody cares about you, that nobody understands you, that you don't matter. He loves to tell you you're all alone because if you feel alone, it will be easy for you to be attacked and destroyed. It's when we feel alone that we make the biggest mistakes. It's when we feel alone that, we, that we're most likely to drift away from God. But that's why I want you to be a part of a life group. I don't want you to ever be vulnerable to that attack from the enemy. I don't want you to ever feel alone. In a life group, you will hear two of the most powerful words in the English language to a follower of Jesus Christ. These are the words, me too. Me too. Man, you guys, I gotta be honest, before I came to church, I used to live a pretty rough life. I did a lot of things I'm really, really embarrassed of. Me too. And then I, I heard about Jesus and I gave my life to him and man, it was better than anything I ever expected it to be. Me too. But life is still tough and I still struggle sometimes. Me too. And sometimes, even though I go to church on Sunday, I still doubt God's goodness on Monday. Me too, especially on Monday. <laughs> and then sometimes I, I struggle with sins that I thought were in the past. I thought I had already conquered. Oh, me too. And, and I want to be a part of community. I want to have relationships, but I'm afraid that if people get to know me, then they won't really like me. Me too. But I'll tell you what, I've also learned that when I come into relationship with other people, even though it's awkward to be vulnerable, it's worth it and it makes us stronger. Me too, I've also discovered that. I've also discovered the goodness of God and his faithfulness that never gives up on us. I've also discovered that even when I fall and I feel like I'm defeated, I'm actually still going, I'm actually still alive. I actually still have hope in Jesus and I can get through it. I'm so grateful that you you all come together so that you can encourage one another and say, me too. Why don't you tell your neighbor right now, me too. I hope this guy will stop preaching soon. Me too. <laughs> See, being vulnerable with your brothers and sisters in Christ, it ironically will make you less vulnerable to the enemy. When you're vulnerable with other Christians, you actually defeat the lies of the enemy that say you're alone and you become less vulnerable to his attacks. It's counterintuitive, I know. And it's scary to be honest and open and share your struggles. But you'll discover that as you share your struggles, God's grace is greater than your sins. And it's when you receive that and embrace that truth, you actually become stronger in your faith and you actually become able to continue following Jesus and, and those times when you fail, they don't destroy you. That setback just sets you up for forward progress. It's in relationship. The enemy says you're alone, but God says you were alone until I came for you, until I came 
to rescue you. You might say, well, I don't want people to know my life is jacked up. I say, who cares if people know your life is jacked up? It's not a secret. <laughs> we already knew. <laughs> and honestly, God knew. God knows. So it's not a secret. And I'll be honest, you should share your life with each other, even if it is messed up. The truth is the more messed up your life is, the more you'll encourage your life group members, all right? You just tell, hey, I'm not so bad if Ryan's got problems. I'm okay, I'm okay, right? We wanna encourage one another and motivate one another to acts of love and good works so that people would know the love of Jesus. But we have to do it together. You see that loving God and loving people, both of those things are only possible with relationship. Relationship. There are 59 one another commands in the New Testament. And we saw some of them in our passage. Uh, they were supposed to motivate one another. That we're supposed to encourage one another. But also, a couple of things scripture tells us is that we're supposed to love one another we're supposed to build one another up. We're supposed to be devoted to one another, to be kind and compassionate to one another, to carry one another's burdens. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another. And so I have to ask you, if you are part of this church and the first part of your job description is loving God and the second part of your job description is loving one another, who are you one anothering? And who's one anothering you? This is what God calls us to. It says in 1 John chapter 4, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. If you love other people, you're actually acting in God's image and in his likeness. And that's why the Bible says that when you love one another, you're obviously a child of God. So who... Who is that person? Who, who are you in community with? Who are you loving? Who is loving you? And I hope the answer is my life group. These are people that I come together with and, and I know and they know me. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to share. I'm going to make myself available. I'm going to be vulnerable. I know that God's going to use this to bring stability into my life. And, and none of us are perfect, but we're going to grow in our faith together. We're going to love one another. We're going to encourage one another. Some of you are here today and, and I really believe that God brought you here so that you could hear me invite you and challenge you to join a life group. I really hope you'll do this. I really hope you'll take me up on this challenge and that you'll, you'll take this step forward. You know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water but you can't make a drink? Well, you can lead a Christian to life-giving community but you can't make him participate. You have to choose to participate and understand that this is actually for your benefit. This is for your benefit. And some of you, I believe you're here today because God's been working on your heart and you know that you need to lead a life group because you have the gifting and you have the ability and you already have a passion inside of you to help other people grow in their walk with God. And so you might need to lead a life group. And fortunately for you, you still can. There's still time. You can still sign up to do that. God designed us for relationship because he is relational. I want you just to understand how God is so relational and how this drives him in his decision. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living together in relationship, enjoying one another. He designed us to live in relationship with him and with each other. And this is so interesting. God is not driven by logic. He's driven by relationship. Logic would not cause God to give his only beloved son to die for a group of people who rejected him, but relationship would. 
Thank God that my Bible does not say God is logic. It says God is love. And love is driven by relationship. It's because of love that God sent Jesus to this earth to die in our place so that we could be restored in relationship to him. I'm so grateful for that love and that I can still have a relationship with God even though I don't deserve to have one. It's in that relationship with God that we discover the love that we all truly have longed for our whole entire lives. And it's that love that fulfills us, that makes us whole and allows us to serve him without looking for love from all kinds of people and places where we'll never find true satisfaction, we'll never find the love we desire. It doesn't matter how many times you get high, it doesn't matter how many times you sleep with strangers, every time you end up emptier than you started. It's because only God's love fills that void in our souls. And it's when you're in relationship with him that you find this everlasting life. He says, anyone who drinks of me will never thirst again. Have you discovered that relationship? Have you embraced Jesus and what the relationship that he wants to have with you? If you haven't today, you can. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that before we leave today. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. Let's just close our eyes and have a moment of privacy between you and God. Maybe you've already made this decision and maybe you're here today and you just need to pray for other people who need to take this step. Maybe God brought you here today and he's pulling on your heart and he's inviting you. He's saying, come and be in relationship with me. And maybe right now you're struggling with that and you're thinking of all the, the sins in your life and all the things that might keep you from God and make you unworthy. The Bible says that we are unworthy to come to God. And that's why Jesus died for us because his perfect life qualified him to pay the penalty for our sins. And that's what he did on the cross. He took our sins on his shoulders and he paid the penalty that we owed so that we could be free through him. And the Bible says that if you'll confess your sins and believe that Jesus died for you and rose again, that you will be saved. And so many of us have already taken that step of faith, saying, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give my life to him. But maybe you're here today and you need to. Maybe you know God brought you here today so that you could be restored in relationship to him through Jesus. So if you're here, this is for a very specific reason. There are eternal replications from this, this moment. And right now what happens, God God wants you to come back into relationship with him. So let's do this. If you need to do that, let's take this moment to do that. Just say, if you know, I need to have a relationship with God, pray in your heart with me and say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be restored to you through Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins and I believe that he rose again. Thank you for loving me. God, thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you that with you, I'll never be alone for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you pray that prayer, I wanna celebrate with you today with the other people who've already prayed it. I believe that God did something incredible in your life right now that will change your eternity. And so we're just gonna celebrate with you. If you pray that prayer today on the count of three, I want you just to raise your hand up for a moment so we can celebrate. We're not gonna embarrass you, that's awesome. Anyone else, one, two, three, just raise your hand up. Thank you, thank you, awesome, yes, thank you. That's great, that's great. Let's give God praise right now, church, come on.